dream big never stop dreaming because you can do whatever that you want as long as you believe in your dreams welcome to the dare to dream productions podcast today we have a very special guest whose work i've been a fan of for years please welcome the director of photography of mtv's catfish john detarsio he served as the executive producer of creative development at NBC and was the DP for many of CBS's 60-minute segments. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing very well, Bridget. It's so nice to meet you, and thank you so much for being interested in talking to me, and thanks so much for watching the show. Nice to meet you, too. And I've been a fan of the show for years. I actually got catfished, so that's what got me started into it. You didn't send money anywhere, did you? No, thank goodness. <laughs> and it didn't end up being like an old man, so that's good. That's good. That's good because there's plenty of those old creepers out there. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about how you landed the job being the DP of the show? And did you work with Neve before? <laughs> okay, well, I'll take the second part first. I had not worked with Neve before. Um, but I was a fan of his documentary. I had seen that. I thought, I think it was two years between the time that the documentary came out and um, the deal was done with MTV to make the pilot when I got involved. Um, so no, I had not known me before that. And the way I got the show, many, many things had to fall in place, as you'll learn the more and more you get into this business. So, uh, you know, where every relationship you have in the world you leave in a good place because you never know when they're going to come back. <laughs> um, and so I was aligned with the, uh, the CEO of the company who production company that makes catfish for MTV. So MTV agrees on having the show. They hire a production company and that production company boss. I knew from back in, back in the days where I did a lot of 60 minutes and 48 hours, he was a news producer. So he knew me as a magazine documentary guy. And um, the actual producer, the showrunner, David Metzler, who was gonna run the show, um, the person I told you about, Tom Foreman, the CEO of this company, had found David Metzler, who had, success, had a very successful show um, called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the original one. Um, and so he was known as a documentary, real life, not fake re reality, but real rea reality producer. And he had, so I was connected with David through Tom. Already we had been working on a couple of shows together. So when Catfish came along, um, they just saw me as a really good fit because my background in news and documentary news magazine, um, along with the, uh, my body work, uh, I think they were, they felt I was the right person because they, they really wanted to make an original real reality show where um, you are discovering things as they happen and you walk into doors one time, you don't set up, you, you just, you have to go on intuition and the energy of where things are. And they felt that that was my strong suit. Um, and uh, so that's how it happened. We all we all kind of came together. We always say we always say it was lightning in a bottle. It was we all kind of found each other accidentally. Wow, very cool. I love that, especially when you find that group of people you could really understand and work with well. Yeah, I've been in this business 
a long, long time, 30 something years since I graduated college and uh, <laughs> have been on many, many, many shows. And it is, I cannot tell you how rare it is to find a show that even gets out of the, the pilot and becomes a TV show. And you're already have done an incredible amount to just get a season of television. And then to make it two seasons is unbelievable. And uh, that never, I mean, never in my career have I been so lucky to be on a show that where the core group of people are still the same and we're now nine years later and 160 shows in. <laughs> Congrats, that's amazing. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. We take every, we're, we take every day uh, as blessing um we just appreciate the fact that we're still doing it and um because we feel like you know we feel like we're making a good show and we're um you know in our way trying to send a good message even though a lot of the people on our show aren't necessarily the best you know <laughs> maybe don't come from the best uh uh back you know um positions you know uh they've had a lot of struggles or whatever reason but everybody is a human being and we try to really really that's what we're proud to tell it and then you've helped like so many people to like find their love life like their <laughs> lover that they've been like just searching for for years and talking to like not even talking to them on the phone yeah and we still try to keep in touch with all as many of these people as we can and um uh neve's always receiving text messages from people from the past I'll, he'll say like oh yeah i heard from so and so and i'll be like who's that he's in three episode five and i'll go oh my gosh <laughs> and then he'll but yeah we still try to keep in touch with as many of these people as we can that's awesome so i found it impressive that despite the limitations of not being able to travel to meet the catfishes and doing it on zoom instead it was still highly entertaining so what challenges did you face as a DP filming this show during the pandemic? Like if you were to have to direct a show with, uh, and your mouth can't, you can't speak, <laughs> or a camera person with one arm tied behind their back, it, it was very, very challenging. Um, you know, like everybody else, when uh, the pandemic first came out and everyone, we were scared, everyone was scared. We all retreated to our homes and waited to see what was gonna happen. I think it took about a, a good month, maybe a little longer, when um, our executive producer and Neve and Cammie, like we're all thinking that, you know what, as many uh, catfish as there are in the world, I would imagine it's, there's even more of that now. <laughs> people are just stuck at home, people need to talk to people. We should see if there's still, you know, if there's still stories out there. And, so they sent the cast, kept the casting going, and and sure, sure enough, they found they've been able to find some really interesting stories. So challenge-wise, that was a challenge. How are how how are we going to do that? You can't really. I mean, Zoom has been kind of our our savior in that um, the Zoom is our our ability to talk to each other, right, and see what are, what we're doing, what what's going on in real time. So that has really helped us a lot. So we send computers out to, to Neve and Cammie uh, that we can control, that we, we can control those with 
with software where we can control their computers. Oh. And, and uh, you know, sent a couple of small cameras to have as wide shots like you have as a side shot for you. Um, that, you know, through Zoom, I can explain exactly, you know, what, how I'd like to have the shot and they could, we could FaceTime and they can show me the shot. And, you know, we did a lot of communicating like that. Um, we, we mic them through our sound man has been able to find these Zoom, Zoom recorders that actually take time codes so the, so we can sync the pictures to the, uh, so it becomes that, so it's editable. <laughs> um, uh, you know, because in, uh, so we found a way to do it. And really the main thing is having the software to where my computer can talk to everyone else's computer and our, and our techs can also manage and make sure things are being recorded and, and that we, we get all the footage. Um, it's the, the task, it's more monumental because on a show like this, you know, even though we wrap it up into a nice 45 minutes, you know, one of our meetings, say an investigation, might take, you know, four hours to get for these guys to do all their investigating and stuff. And um, so that's a lot of footage that we need to group and make in an organized way so our, our, post, our post facility can, can kind of gather that up and match where all the cameras are because we don't have all the ability to, to sync everything together the way we do when we're in the field. Well, it seems like a lot more work. Lots of challenges. You don't want to hear all of them. <laughs> our lives depend on good internet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite a challenge, but so proud of how, uh, well, of course, so proud of Neve and Cammie. They're, they're amazing. Um, <laughs> but also our post team who's found a way to, even though we're just kind of sitting at the computer now, other than our little brief moments where, you know, you could see me walking around his house or whatever, or Cammy, um, they have still kept it so lively and uh, interesting. And it's, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm so impressed with how, how, how the post team has been able to keep this going. And uh, quite frankly, you know, even Cammy and our producing team. And I mean, it is a small show and it looks like a small show, but they're, it's a big family. <laughs> you know everything from the music that you hear to the i mean you know and finding these small artists that that have just the right songs and um just every stage of the way it it's it's impressive well it seems like a lot of fun it is so what did the camera setup look like before the pandemic and how many cameras what kind well what before the pandemic and hopefully after the pandemic we'll see what happens <laughs> Um, I would travel with um, no less than 11 cameras <laughs> and the cameras would range. So um, all the way down to, I don't know if you remember when Max, Max, Max and Cammy both kind of shoot a lot with a, just a handheld point and shoot Canon point and shoot camera that happens to shoot video. We started doing that very early on because we learned that when um, Max, Max was uh, on the show with us, that wherever he sat, because early on, it was just Max and I shot everything for that show. It's still kind of like that. But it was hard to get all the angles, especially when you're shooting, you know, one time through. But even though Max was just holding a little handheld camera, 
the intimacy he got from the person that was talking to him was an angle that I could physically impossible for me to get unless I'm in the shot the entire time. And we, so we loved it and the post loved it. And we started to really use those cameras a lot. We don't use them as much anymore, but so that's, we still, I still take a couple of those. Cami uses it quite a bit. Um, I have, I carry, I carry these little cameras. They're, they're not even, you can't even buy them anymore because I think they came out in like 2012. I think we have those at my school. We have that. This is a Canon XF205. I love the camera because you have all the controls of a real camera here. You have a zoom, focus, iris control. You can make it as professional or you can do audio, uh, automatic settings. So Cami can take it and put it on her lap or walk around during one of our reveals like this and on automatic controls, she's gonna get something pretty, something and again, she's gonna get an angle with the catfish looking straight at her, which we love. It, as messy as it is, and a lot of times that's when you'll see me and my crew in the background because, you know, we're on the other side and that's what, you don't see that in real TV shows, but, but the closeness and the raw intimacy of her holding a camera is worth it to us. Um, so, so these cameras, uh, I use a bunch of these and then I use um, C300 Mark II um, for when we're sitting down. Cool. And I use, I use this, uh, this is kind of in between the two. This is a Canon XF705, which is a documentary camera. Um, so I use all, all, and then I, and then we have five GoPros that are going at all, at a lot of times, whenever they're in the car, I have four to five, depending on who's in the car. Um, so it's a big, it's a, and, and the reason why I have so many cameras is say for instance, uh, is because again, our show depends so much on somebody's reaction, right? Mm -hmm. You can read so much. You could see just in someone's face the exact second when their heart is broken <laughs> or when they feel hope, you know, just by a little raise of the eyebrow or, you know, um, and you don't want to miss those moments. And so if I only had a couple of cameras, um, I run the risk of missing something, right? Um, some of the best gold is having, you know, just seeing Cammy's reaction to something. And yeah, she's hilarious. If I didn't have a bunch of cameras, um, I'd miss, I'd miss, we'd miss a lot of that. So for instance, if they're sitting at a computer just doing their investigating, uh, pre-pandemic, I would have one of these cameras on a, on a two shot and then I'd have a single of Cammy and a single of Neve and another wide shot of, and we get, we get every, you know, just, just so I can have everything. When we meet the hopeful, I make sure that I have a single on every person, wide shots, um, because we don't do anything again, you know? So I have to shoot. So it just kind of grew into that. Early on in the show, it was a very much of a, I would just kind of sit in the middle and, and Max would shoot with his little camera and it would just be a lot of handheld, handheld, energe energetic, and it was good, but, um, we, we were missing a lot. Um, and then, so 
I kept adding cameras and uh, that's, how it, that's how it went. So, so now a typical scenario is say we're gonna go and meet, meet the hopeful who we've, made, we've already met them on a Zoom call early in the show, right? And we mm -hmm. travel. So the day we go there, I might be able to go to the set a little early. I'll never meet, I'll never meet that, that hopeful. We call it a hopeful, the person who writes into the show. I like that. And the hopeful and then the other one's the catfish. So to go and meet that hopeful, I may be able to go into that house a little early and find out, figure out where they're going to sit, maybe do just a little bit of basic lighting and dump a bunch of cameras like next to the house or behind the couch or whatever. Meanwhile, we'll rig the car for, uh, with GoPros. And so when, and then we'll go back to the hotel. And so when Neve and Cammy call time happens and they come walking into the lobby, from that point on, they're just on camera. We'll follow them from the lobby to the car. They'll sit in the car, they'll drive to the location. They'll get out, they'll get to the location, they'll walk out of the car. Now, now me and my um, assistant camera and my camera tech are all holding these little cameras and we walk into the house for, at, the same, at the same time. They'll sit down and maybe even Cammy will have just a couple minutes of chit chat while I, we're all just throwing up cameras all over the place and then they'll, they'll move right in. So, and the reason we do that and the reason we take all that time to do that is we want them, we want Neve and Cammy to be in the story. We don't want to say cut, wait, we're going to go in the house now and get this stuff set up. And we're, we don't, we don't care how dirty it is. Our biggest goal is that they're doing it one time, their real reactions happen one time and we get all the honesty that we can. So when they're meeting them, they're, uh, so if they meet the hopeful that day, that is the first time they're meeting them. That's the first time the crew is meeting them. Wow, I've always wondered that. We never see them before we see them. And then when they say goodbye to them, I'll have a tech roll the GoPros in the car and they will literally walk out of the house and say goodbye and that is really their goodbye and they'll sit in the car and they will really drive away and give their impressions. No waiting, no waiting at all. And I think that's where we, that's, how you get the real personalities of these people and their real reactions. They're not trying to manufacture something. They're just, their emotions are coming through their mouths. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's complicated, but it's simple. So I saw on this season, Neve and Cammy use webcams to record some of the footage. What kind are they? Yeah. So the, the webcams that we have, and I'm not endorsing them. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying these are the ones we landed on are the Logitech Brios. Um, and they're simple to use. You just clip them on top of the computer, plug them into the, plug them into the computer. And, um, and they, the reason I went with them, although they're, they, they, there are problems with them, but, but what I do like about them is from my computer, from wherever I'm at, I can control. I can control the color, temperature, and I can control the iris and some of the basic functions. I I I can control. It's not just on automatic settings. So yeah, that that's that's the webcam. That gives you more like capabilities. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of control. Still not the kind of control I would like to have. I mean, 
obviously if I'm using one of my professional cameras, you know, I have all the control that I want to make the picture exactly the way I want. See, I just saw you moved a little bit and your, your iris just went up. <laughs> like your light just got brighter. Well, that's, that's what happens with these cameras when I move around. I mean, you know, they're web cameras, so they'll never be professional cameras, but, uh, but uh, at least we have a little control with these. Maybe they'll invent something since now everyone's like working from home and everything. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're working on them right now. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's probably better stuff out there right now that I just haven't seen. I mean, I'd love to be able to, and I think there's a way, there's just a delay, you know, that if I was in control of your web camera that I could have some ability to pan, pan and tilt and zoom in case something happened. Um, now there's, there's cameras like that, but you kind of have to be like just outside in the garage or something. You couldn't be across the country on a computer, but that would give me a lot more freedom. But that's also why I have the other cameras locked down on wider shots um, for when those real moments happen. You know, Cleo comes running into the office to see her daddy or, you know, whatever. So when you were on set during the pandemic, did you have to get tested before and wear a mask? There was no set. Our set is in the office. You know, we sent them, we send them the equipment and, uh, and talk them through how to set everything up on, the, on Zoom before we start rolling. So everything's happening like this, like I'm speaking to you. But yes, we, um, you know, on the occasion, if I'm going to see Neve or I'm going to see Cammie, uh, we're definitely taking all the precautions. We're getting tested all the time, wearing masks, doing the doing the whole thing. That's good. <laughs> what do you think the future of filmmaking looks like post-pandemic? Well, I'm still hopeful. I mean, nobody knows. Uh, I'm still hopeful that we're going to find our way back to each other. It's not going to be overnight. It's going to be a slow rollout. But, you know, if you, I'm a history buff. And um, looking back through history, we've had several pandemics. Um, uh, you know, Spanish flu most recently. Um, but we've always, they've always subsided and we've always come back together. I mean, we've always, we're, 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 we're tribes people. We, we need each other. And I, I think it won't be overnight. I think it's going to take a while. I think at first, you know, as they start shooting films, it's going to be difficult. You're not going to find a lot of extras in the background. People are going to have to write shows that don't have big crowds in the background. I think, um, I think there's going to be a lot of the sets. <laughs> we're talking scripted television where um, you go in, you set the shot, you get everything ready, and then everyone has to leave when the actors come in, except for maybe two or three people that are spread out pretty well. You know, you won't have all the crew and video village and everything all in the studio anymore for a while. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. And I, I think that slowly but surely as we get a handle on this and eventually there'll be hopefully some sort of vaccine that will help people feel more comfortable with being with each other. Um, and a lot of the heat and the noise settles down and hopefully the, the, um, you know, the, the, it doesn't become as it's, it becomes less contagious and less deadly. 
that we'll find we'll find our we'll find our way back to each other. I I believe that. I feel that. Um, my son works on a show um, where they just um, a reality show <laughs> where they just they call it in a bubble. They shot in a bubble. It was very successful. Where the show, I can't say the show. I'm sorry to say. I, I could tell you next time after this show airs. I could tell okay. you what you're about. But uh, the show um, basically bought up an entire resort. And people slowly went to this resort. A big crew. So the crew members slowly went in, got tested, quarantined. Nobody saw each other. And finally, as people started to, you know, had quarantined long enough, had been tested enough times, they started slowly building the show and then slowly but surely everybody was there and now you were in the bubble. There was no coronavirus. They shot the show for two months at this one spread out location and uh, very successful and it happened and they're, they're planning to do the next season um, very shortly. Wow. So, you know, we're, we're all finding our way. I think the small shows are, are, are going to find, you know, going to do okay shows like Catfish um, because we don't have big, big, big crews. I think hopefully, you know, when MTV starts to feel comfortable, MTV is being very, very cautious. Um, but I know the crew is ready, but when MTV is ready, um, you know, we'll get an even Cammy back together in the same room maybe sitting a little further apart, but that would be really lovely to see them together <laughs> um, physically next to each other and, uh, you know, meet, meet our people out in the park <laughs> and stay outside and stay distant and hopefully we'll, we'll find our way back. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, we probably miss each other. We do. We very much do. Uh, Neve has got us now at the, you know, we do the Zoom call and there'll be maybe 20 of us that, that are all associated with the show from one, one position or another. At the end of the show, Neve always likes to have everybody turn on their cameras so we can all, because usually the whole Zoom call is just what you're seeing on the show, mm. you know, people that are actually on the show. Once we wrap our final scene, Neve always asks everybody to turn on their cameras so, you know, we can all say hi and talk <laughs> to each other. Well. And we miss each other a lot. Do you have any advice for beginner DPs? Yeah, I, I guess I do. I mean, there's so many different avenues of DPs, right? I mean, pick your lane. Uh, I mean, if you're going, if you're an aspiring DP, really try as early as you can what it is that you really like I and mean, identify it. I mean, are you, uh, you know, are you super interested in multi-camera sitcoms are you really interested in <laughs> films are you interested in taking over the corporate world the youtube world the this the that the one-man band the uh and really focus in on that world and who the leaders of that particular um lane that you pick are and um find your way pick your pick your path the way those people pick their path and how they went i mean you know, obviously the easiest way is to go to a very prestigious school that hands out really amazing uh, internships and apply and win a great internship and go work for Martin Scorsese. That would be wonderful. But those things, that, that's very rare, right? Obviously. So you just have to pick your lane. You have to really study the people that you really admire, how they did it, 
and, um, and learn from that. You don't have to follow their path, but learn from how they, they did it. Um, you have to get to where the business is. I mean, Chicago, I'm sure there's a real thriving business there, so that's wonderful. I went to the University of Arizona. I had to find my way out to the West because um, there wasn't a lot of business still to this day. There's not a lot of work out there. Now I could go live there and commute because after 35 years of connections, but um, I had to find my way and immerse myself in the world. Mostly, uh, so I don't know if that's helpful or not. Um, it's it hard is. to think advice. That, but the other advice I would give is to fall in love with storytelling more than falling in love with, you know, your ability to shoot a gimbal shot and do a nice lighting on a car or, you know, in a room or, or whatever that. Obviously, you have to know light. Light is so important to know. Um, and not just typical key light, side light, back light, um, accent light. It's literally study the light. You know, when you're sitting outside by a lake and you notice you feel really good, think about the light. You know, when you're looking at art and if it makes you feel a certain way, think about the light. You know, you can light with, um, you know, one single lamp, you know, might tell a story. You don't need big toys, but obviously understand light. That's so, so important. Understand the basics, wide shot, medium shot, tight shot, reaction shot, um, and understand, you know, the, the basic building tools of building a story. But, you know, when I look at audition tapes and it's just like one beautiful shot after another, that it really tells me nothing. I want to feel something when I watch. I want to feel stories. Um, and I want to feel that you understand story, you understand emotion, that you have, that there's a person there that, that, that directed that or that is, you know, that, that feels these shots. It's not just all about check this out, I've got this really cool gyro on, on, you know, and look at this great drone shot I got. And, um, you know, it's not all about that. I think that's so important because especially like film students, they're all about like trying to get onto like the red or like, you know, learning these big fancy cameras. But if, yeah, you can't tell a story and make someone feel a real emotion, then what's the point of film? Like, I think the point of film is like to make the audience really feel something. I used to call that the student union basement theater syndrome. <laughs> College at the student union, there was a theater down, down in the basement that would have really odd acts, right? That would come through there and, you know, art artists. And um, it's sort of like, camera people will have a tendency to do this. You shoot a whole bunch of beautiful shots, right? And then you get a whole bunch of other camera people to go in there and everyone's ooh and ah, and look how beautiful that shot is. Did you shoot that on 6K at a 1.4 with the ISO and, you know, how many NDs? I mean, but you go outside, you go outside of that student union basement theater, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares but if you go down there and you make somebody feel something with your pictures um uh then you're going to be remembered <laughs> so what's next for you well retirement hopefully <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, I figure I got about 10 years left in this business. I, cause I still enjoy it. I still enjoy it. Um, so as I, I, I'm a freelancer, so my life is still concurrent, right? I, um, I work for this company, critical content, um, because, uh, because of catfish, they have basically booked me in chunks at a time. Now they've got a lot of other projects going on. So I'm always working on other things. In fact, this week and last week, Catfish is dark and I am working on a show with Kevin Hart, who's doing a game show for E, uh, which right now, as a matter of fact, called Celebrity Game Face, also a kind of a virtual show. Um, and, you know, we've done since COVID, our team, our Catfish team actually has, has done a special for CBS uh sort of shot in the style of of the covid style or the virtual style catfish episodes uh people did it, giving each other haircuts at home while they were in lockdown <laughs> one for the animal you know so we're we're i'm out there i'm doing other stuff but catfish is my mainstay and you know i hope that uh i hope that catfish continues on for for a while um you know as i've as I've told my, as I tell my friends all the time, I mean, I think, you know, us core people who are still with the show, we're, we're going to ride the wave all the way to the shore until MTV says, okay, it's time to close the doors. We're, we're enjoying it. As far as other work goes, I, I don't really worry about that so much. I mean, um, when, but I, I've earned that. I mean, I've been around a long time. So when, when I, when I have become available, I know a lot of people that might, I'll probably find jump onto something else, but I don't have the big aspirations of I need to do a feature film because I feel like I've achieved I've achieved everything that I've wanted to do. I, I'm not in it for any kind of attention. I get to direct shots. I get to pick cameras. I get to um, I get to pick how the whole construction and the mood uh, of whatever project is and so i mean from the early on when i was doing that on simple two-minute news stories i was already happy i was i was all where i was already achieved what i wanted to do and so as different shows come along it's great but i'm just grateful that i get to do that i get to manage this team whether it's two people or whether it's 50 people i'm managing a team and trying to construct something for for the visionary, for the director, or for the executive producer, and just trying to imagine what they're imagining and bring that bring that to life with how I interpret it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm doing that for, you know, for for something big or something small. I just I enjoy doing it. So I don't, I don't think about what's next. I just want to just just keep doing what's now. <laughs> Live in the moment, right? Well, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you so much, Bridget. Such a pleasure meeting you. So tell me about your, before we leave, tell me about your, uh, who, how, how did you get catfish? Oh, <laughs> so it was like when I was 17 and this girl like messaged me on Instagram and she was beautiful. So I was like, oh, uh, she messaged me and she's like, you're very pretty. So I messaged her back and we were talking for like, two weeks just like on Instagram and then she was like oh we should like talk to each other on the phone and so we did 
So yeah, it was, she seemed real and she had like people tagged in her photos. So it was kind of weird. And then her camera was broken. She couldn't FaceTime or mm -hmm, she said that she, well, first she said that her camera was broken and then I was, she wanted to go to prom with me. So that was pretty, like I said, you can come with me, but I have to FaceTime you. And if lived in your, she lived in your same town. No, she lived in uh, Missouri, mm -hmm. so she was going to fly in and go to prom with me, but I said, my dad, like, if you want to stay with us, I have to know that you're real. Yeah. So yeah, I said, let's FaceTime, and then she said, I can't FaceTime because I have cancer. Oh, boy. Red and, flag. Yeah, and that really, like, taught, like hurt me because I was like I'm so sorry you're going through that but like you're beautiful the way you are because she said I don't want you to see me like this because I'm going through chemo and I said no it's okay and then the funniest thing was yeah. I was filming this like whole story like my own story of getting great like, just this movie <laughs> like thinking I was like actually like falling in love with this girl and then on camera I said I'm done like, I'm going to find out if she's a catfish or not. And so I call her. I'm like, I'm done. It's been months. I want to know if you're a catfish. And she, she said, yes, I'm a catfish. Uh, did you ever see a real picture of this person? Mm-hmm. Because that's, I said, I want to still know who you are. Like, we obviously have a connection over the voice and your personality is great. And then when she showed me a photo of her, I wasn't really, like, yep. interested in her. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a sad story. That's a very common story. Did you cut that together or anything? Or did you have you ever edited that? It's so long ago. I still have the footage, but I was like kind of worried about posting it because she was like, I feel really bad for catfishing you and I don't really want like my real photo to be I, like out there. Maybe for your master's class. Not necessarily even posting it, but that sounds like an amazing uh, thing you filmed there. Did you ever watch the original Catfish documentary? Yes. I mean, it sounds like that. It sounds yeah, like it, yeah, it was pretty much like very similar. Wow. Well, that's, you know, those are sometimes, we, we usually don't have a lot of patience or um, sympathy for people who pull the cancer card out because you, because what if they're telling the truth? You can't call them liars. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why they use it. And, and you really, they don't realize how much that hurts the person that they're talking to. They're just trying to avoid having to tell the truth and they spit out that lie. That's a really, that's a really terrible lie. Mm -hmm, exactly. That's one of the main reasons also why I wasn't interested because like my mom, like, had breast cancer so like I know like what that's like as a family and like you don't lie about that right I'm so sorry you went through that oh thank you it's okay it's made me a lot stronger so and a lot more careful mm -hmm. no it happens I have a friend <laughs> my friend's aunt is an 80 year old dumpy you know looks like grandma if you were casting <laughs> and this she got a someone called out this is just just like weeks ago oh wow. was like hey you look really nice and it's a 50 year old so 30 year difference <laughs> old good looking man like with muscles and holding a 
gun, you know, wearing a military uniform, macho man. And he started talking to her and eventually he's going to come out there and they're going to get married. Oh my gosh. And who knows how quick on catfish who I've known since high school was like, what do I do? She won't listen to reason. And I'm like, take all her credit cards, take all her bank cards. Don't let her give this guy any money. And, and, uh, and just, just understand this person's going to ask for money. Sure enough, like a week before, not even last week. I mean, it was like last Wednesday, I got a call from my friend Karen and she said that, yep, sure enough. Um, three days before he was supposed to fly out to get married. Uh, he said that, um, uh, he needed, he needed $7,000 for the flight for him and his son from wherever they were in the Middle East. He was a, you know, he's a, a undercover, like, freedom fighter. <laughs> Such a fake story. Well, look who's calling me. I'm going to have to take this. Oh, okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so, like, nice meeting you. And hopefully one day we'll be able to, like, meet in person. Absolutely. Bridget, such a pleasure meeting you. Congratulations on your, um, on your show here. And someday you'll be hiring me, probably not too soon. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good night. Bye.